First Corinthians in the chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words of man's, which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. And here tonight... I suppose not at the very beginning, but near the start of a new year in 2024. And at this time, many people's thoughts uh, go to start a new or make a new resolutions, uh, to start something maybe like a training program or healthy eating or maybe online education or more study or to read books or better still, to read uh, God's Word. If you systematically read through it, maybe perhaps you've gone to the beginning of God's Word again in Genesis. And when you're reading, you're praying that God will make it anew to you and make it come with freshness by the help of His Holy Spirit and enable it then to direct and order your life according to what it says. But just as many of these resolutions in the world uh, and, and in the worldly sector, though made with the best intentions, already maybe they've begun to fail or become stop-start at best. And they have the same common failure point. They were made in the weakness of the flesh, and with the wrong authority in view. Because though we fight against the flesh, the flesh is within us, and we feel in our own weakness. And tonight, hopefully, in looking at these few verses, I hope and see uh, that we have a hope within God, so though we do feel that we can then be rectified in this failure, and with God's help alone, that's how we do it. So beginning here at verse 9, verse 9 it says there, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man. That shows, <clears throat> in those words there, a limitation, or what my thought I'm going to call it anyway, the limitation of man or of mankind. We see there in that verse listed, 
uh, most or many of the human senses, the way that we gain knowledge uh, or, or of understanding of a matter or determine the truth or fact, you know, we watch with our eyes, our eyes are essential to how we would walk so we wouldn't fall or trip over or come into danger. And even when our eyes may become damaged or deteriorated, there's ways in the world even to help them. If we think of glasses to help us see better, whether it's further away or, or closer. Uh, and also even to more finer detail, we think of the inv invention of the microscope to view the fine detail on up close. And as well, the telescope to bring things that were unable to be seen by the naked eye into clear view. And such, street, such great feats help stretch the limits of the human eye. Not only the eye we see there, but the ear mentioned as well. And the ear, maybe that can become very easily damaged, maybe if, by abuse of loud noise or an impact or sometimes even from birth. And again, the world has made ways for that to, to overcome. We see that there's hearing aids to help us hear more. And as well, in our thinking then even, uh, maybe we don't want to think that's this time of year, but maybe when you're, you're ill, you go to the doctor and have the stethoscope. Helps them hear even the, the heartbeat within and that helped them to determine maybe what could be wrong or to suggest a certain treatment. And as well, not only we see the eye and the ear there, but we see the phrase there, it says, entered into the heart of man. And it means there that man can't think or comprehend or, or understand even the mentality or the thought, thought process of man. Can't understand these things, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You know, the smartest mind or the highest level of IQ uh, cannot come to terms with the mysteries of God or in the grace of God and of his love toward us. And sadly, many of those that have that high intellect or more knowledge, uh, they tend to go against even believing that God himself even exists. Uh, and today, sadly, that is a majority view. They send aside with this, uh, this view or any other view that's completely contrary to having one true God that created all things and ordered all things and made provision uh, of himself and himself alone. So in, in looking at this verse here, we see, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but thought and being reminded of how the Bible describes our state as sinners. John 12, verse 40, it says there, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted. Psalm 38, verse 13 says as well then, But I as a deaf man heard not, and I was as a dumb man that opened not his mouth. So as sinners, we see we're helpless. God's word shows us that and tells us that. Even to be alerted to the depths of the sin we're in. We're blind to our own condition before a holy and a just God. We're deaf to the warning uh, from God's word. We cannot think or figure out a way around our own problem. As I said already, because we can't even see it. We can't even have any knowledge that we do have a problem. And over the Christmas holidays, uh, we were playing a few games. One of which was called 10%. 10 and I think it's, it's on TV. It's a, like a quiz show. But the questions are they're rated on, on difficulty uh, by the percentage of, of people that are able to answer it. So the idea is that you have to answer the questions from where 100% of people know the answer up to where only 10% of people know it. And there's different things. There's questions to answer or, or problems to solve. And like, we didn't always uh, get the right answer. Uh, but thankfully, that, uh, the answer's on the back of the card. Uh, so it can tell you and you can find out what the answer is. Uh, but in our fallen state, <coughs> we can't turn over. We can't turn over. We can't find the answer any other way of, of ourselves. Or even a, there was a time limit to it. We can't even turn the time over the other side to let it start again once it runs out. We only have one chance. And we only have one answer. And that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that is in the work that God has done. And God alone, he made a wondrous uh, preparation for us, despite of who we are. And in reality, we're, we're dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. And it says there in Romans 5 and verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for sinners. So we see then, uh, with that in view, secondly as well then, we see the, the limitless love of God. And we see that in the phrase there, it says, Things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And he prepared that despite of how we hated him before. Despite of who we were, we've seen that. We sinners, were lost. We hated him. We were anti-God and everything we were. And looking at that verse, it can be easy to assume that uh, this is only talking of heaven, something that's prepared, and the glories and the mystery of what God has prepared for us. Uh, but that's not the case here. Uh, this, this here is taken, where it says there, it says, but it is written. That takes us back to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 64, and the verse 4 and 5 there. It says, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for them that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned, and those in continuance, and we shall be saved. So the prophet here, Isaiah, he links it to a time on earth. It's a time of, of that rejoiceth, that worketh, that's something that's ongoing. It's not something that's going to come, it's something that's ongoing, it's something that we can have now. And where man is waiting for the Lord. Uh, but also in salvation, it says there in verse 5, it says, We shall be saved. It's talking there of salvation. So it's something that salvation is what we can have and what we need on earth. Because we can't get to heaven without salvation. And we see here, Paul here, and as, and as writing this here, he denotes uh, the same. He says here about that's a happiness that, uh, which results from the communication of the divine favor to our souls. The gift or the gifts that flow then from salvation. This is what the Lord has prepared for us. Uh, the verses before there, in, in verse 6 and 7, it shows us the, the train of thought and, and presents this present language, the present day language. It says, it says, How be it we speak wisdom among them. That's now, that's in the world. They're speaking wisdom among them uh, that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the prince of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom, wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Barnes, you know, he quotes in this, and maybe helps it make it a bit more clear. Uh, the object of the apostle is not to describe the future state of the redeemed. It is to prove that those who are Christians have true wisdom, or that they have views of truth and of the excellence of the plan of salvation which the world has not, and which those who crucified the Lord Jesus did not possess. The thing which he is describing here is not merely the happiness of Christians, but their views of the wisdom of the plan of salvation. These verses here then shows what God has prepared. And that's not just a home in heaven. Yes, that's, that's a certainty within salvation. We have that, that's prepared for us. But it's a total and it's a complete salvation. How great our God is even when this was decided. It was decided before time began itself. You know, if you're saved tonight, you were chosen. You were perfectly chosen and perfectly redeemed from that point that the Trinity made the covenant together. They covenanted together that they would save some. That Lord, the God commanded it, and the Trinity, the Son, performed it, and the Spirit then applies it. 
Christ lowered himself willingly. He became as a man. He took on flesh, took on that veil of the flesh to perfectly fulfill every demand of the law that was due of us, that was required of us. And then suffered the death of the cross. And also in the darkness, and this is one thing, I've been reading different men, they try and uh, have some sort of understanding of this, but the, the darkness itself, the suffering Christ went through in the time of darkness where the Lord Jesus, or where his father turned away from him, where he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We can never fathom on a human level. We can never come to terms to what really he suffered spiritually. Uh, never mind the, the physical as well. And God had to turn away because he couldn't look upon the sin that was placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't Christ's sin. Christ was perfect. He remained perfect the whole time. But that was our sin. If you're saved today, that's your sin that was placed upon Christ at that time. And it, the day it was paid for. Despite of what uh, we were due, despite we were due the opposite of this, God came in his mercy and sent his son to die for us. If then you having this saving faith or saving knowledge tonight, it is through nothing of yourself. It is through all of God and it's given to you by the promised Holy Ghost. Verse 10, our passage here confirms this. It says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. But receiving the gift of salvation is not the end, but it's merely the beginning. That's why it's important to see that this text is describing of the depths of the love of God and it's describing of something that, that is now, that we can have now, that we need to learn now. It's understand that we can uh, grasp a hold of by the help of the Spirit and not only grasp a hold of but then share while we're on earth. We would very easily say once we're saved, once we have that knowledge of salvation, just as the prophet Isaiah did in the verse 1 of chapter 64. He's pleading there, he says, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. You know, looking at the world today and the depths of the sin and the, the hardship that's in the world, we very easily would say the same thing, but this is not the will of God. God's will uh, for us is that we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We must then be willing soldiers for him. When we received uh, this greatest gift of love, of salvation, and we then, that needs uh, to instruct in us then a combined warfare, not of ourselves only. For as we see here in verse 9, there's, uh, we're, we're limited. We're going to fail if we do it only in the flesh. But we need to do it by the help and the power of the promised Holy Ghost. That's to prepare us for eternity in heaven with God. That's what salvation is, the work is completed. We're justified with God, but the work of sanctification must continue on. It's required of each and every one of us. God, he gave us the gift of love, and there's no better return or, or showing of the true love than that of obedience. And I thought even there it's of that text when Samuel says to Saul, you know, Saul had the best of intentions. He was keeping the good, goodlings of the flock. He was keeping the best important. He said he was going to sacrifice. He was going to offer to God. But it wasn't what God asked him to do. God required him to completely uh, get rid of them all. And Samuel said the words there, God requires and he honors obedience rather than sacrifice. So we see in the light of this uh, verse here that, the, that God has prepared for them. It's a mystery. It's hard for the flesh to learn it. And we need to seek, to, to seek into it. So then, thirdly and finally, that shows us then that there's a labor of love that is required. And in verse 13, it says there, which things also we speak, 
not in words which is man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The labor then, our labor then, must be willing. That must then flow from our love to God. He is the good master. His burden is light because he is carrying it with us. He has sent the Holy Spirit to be within us. Uh, no matter what, what task or job he would have for us. Thoughts well there even in Hosea. Hosea chapter 11. Uh, he's talking there of the, the oxen or the, or the calf or the, or, or the cow that would work. And the Lord says that he had come, that he had, he'd chastened after him in love. And he had lifted, lifted off the, the harness. He had lifted off the, the harness that, would, that the animal had to, plow, to pull the plow with. And you think there, especially look at this time, time of the year where it's heading towards getting the cows out to grass again. And you think when there's no, there's no burden on them, they're, starting to, they're kicking and they're jumping and they're excited. And that's the same thought there, that the burden was lifted off and the cow kicked and jumped and excited and, and it, was, it was willing. But sadly there, the Lord is talking there of, of Israel, that when Israel's burden was relieved, and Israel there talks today even of the church, when the burden was relieved, they forgot their master. They went their own way. They kicked and they jumped and they had the enjoyment when the, when the burden was lifted off them. They didn't come back again to, to thank the Lord and, and, and to serve him and to follow his way. They made a lot of things of, of their, own, their own guidance and their own direction. And through the whole book of Isaiah there, uh, despite of the love of God, that's the theme of it, despite of the love of God, how Israel wandered. And how easy it is for us to do the same here. And that's why we say that the word we've used there as it's a labor of love. So it's, it's something that's to continually happen. It's something that's going to be ongoing. There, there's to be no easement from it. But it's willing. It's to say that the road to heaven is an upward road. So we need to constantly climb. But to be able to climb them, we need to be in the depths of God's word. We must, we must fight against the will of the flesh, the desire within us to go our own way. And Isaiah points us again there to how, or what our thoughts should be in the chapter 64 and the verse 8. It says, But thou, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art potter, and we are all the work of thy hand. So we let ourselves tonight be molded by God's word into fit vessels for him. You know, our hearts, our hearts may become hard, because even though we're saved, we still sin. And we can become hard to the things of God. We can become hard to the direction of God. But just there as a potter, when, when they're trying to shape the vessel there, the water is poured over and poured in to, to soften the clay. We need the pouring over and the pouring in of the Holy Spirit to help us search God's word, to keep us soft, to keep us obedient, to keep us willing to stand and to fight for God. And what his word says, in his own way, in his own direction, it's God we, we want to serve, not our version of what God requires. Not our version of uh, what we think even our, our God is. And how easy it is today. We, we, we tend to fit uh, God. We tend to limit God into our, our way of thinking. And this verse is telling us that we're not to do that. It's not to, it's not to limit to what we think or we view of God, but we have a high, a high view of God. I think there even, uh, though, though this is what is required of us, uh, we'll feel it, we'll feel within it. And one of the clearest examples there, even the New Testament, is Peter. And we think how he, uh, he, he denied the Lord three times, and it said even he denied him with oaths and cursings. But yet he was still restored. So even though we maybe have failed already this year, or even this day, we can still be restored. But for Peter, it was a hard way. It says there in John 21 and 15, it says that so when, 
they had died, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And this is Peter, he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto me, Feed my lambs. And he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. It's not a coincidence there that Christ asked three times, Did Peter love him? Because Peter denied him three times. And Christ then had to, for him to restore him properly, he had to test him. He tested him just as he was tested those days. He failed three times when he denied him. But this time Christ was testing his love for him. And this time he didn't fail. Because it says there, Peter was grieved. And he, as I say, I'm not grieving, sir. He, he remembered his sin. He remembered how he failed the Lord. But he says, Lord, thou knowest all things. And that's just why we need to come. Lord, thou knowest all things. Because he does. The Lord, he, he knows our thoughts. He knows our failures. He knows where we're going to ro- go wrong already. And he has made provision for us. And time sometimes to avoid it. And other times if I can't avoid it, he's made provision for us to go through it. And he's, he's promised to be alongside. And we see how that Peter was, was restored. And how, how a wonderful change even from that time. He came from denying the Lord uh, to be one of the most uh, faithful servants for God. And it says even there that Peter himself in his, in his uh, book, he, he is a, cries that verse there in, in 1 Peter 3 and 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and with fear. This is the idea of, of, of this verse 9 here in Corinthians. That we are, we are to search. We're not just to give up. Oh, that's, we have this look here. Well, I can't see. Our ears can't hear. We can't think. We can't understand this ourselves. So, all right, we'll just give up. We'll wait. That's not it. That's why it says that, that we're, to, we're to speak those things. Verse 13, following after. And this is too what Peter was calling here. That we're to sanctify the Lord in our hearts. We're to be cleansed by the word of God. We're to love the Lord. And there's love it within our hearts. But not only that, the Bible goes further. Within our hearts, within our souls, within our mind, within our bodies, with all our being, we're to give our all to God. And I myself, I hold my hand up. I say, I don't do that. I feel that. And how often do we do, we do the same? But as we see, that Peter, even though Peter, he failed, yet the Lord restored him. The Lord made a way. And Stephen, today, we look around it. The Lord uh, seems to be withdrawn in our land, sadly. The Lord seems to not to be working. And so often there are so many things, so many gimmicks comes now, uh, so many different ways they say of, of evangelism, we need to do different things. But in the New Testament time here we've seen, and maybe this is what's lacking in us, maybe this is where we've fallen away, that they were willing to give answer to every man there. It says in verse, First Peter, we're ready to give answer to every man that asks a few reason. And just as when I was reading that verse there, just the thought came, uh, even in my life, when last did someone ask me or notice or, or realize that I, I was a Christian or if I was any different? When last did somebody see that we were different than the world? 
And maybe that's where our failure is today, our, our thought of evangelism, oh, we need to do all these things and we need to be in front of them all. But maybe we need to get back to God's Word. We need to get back to sanctifying ourselves. We need to get back to the preparation for God's work. And then as the, God's Word says, it says, I've been in the way. I've been in the right way. I've been in the right mind. I've been in God's way. Then the Lord led me. Or someone led, the Lord led someone to you or in your path. We need to get back to times, I believe, it says where, where it's by grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, Scripture alone, and for God's glory alone. You know, the, the phrase there is, is talks cheap. And indeed it is. And I've used that phrase many a time, even when I was younger, for the completely wrong reasons and got me into a problem sometimes. But talk is cheap. And that's what it's not just saying here that it's not just that we need to speak, but that we need to live. And that's how the New Testament church did. And the New Testament church was far worse off than we are, were today physically. They were oppressed, they were afflicted, they were divided, they were, they were thrown, thrown to every part of, of the country. But yet we're sitting here, we're sitting comfortable tonight. With, with heat, with, with easement, with chairs to sit on. And how much of us do we take for granted? And yet, in light of all we have, we've done the same as, as the cow. The yoke has been thrown off and we forgot to come and thank the Lord. We forgot to put the Lord first. And it's so easy to do. And the Lord, as it says here, he says in Psalm, verse, Psalm 51 and verse 6, the Lord desires one thing, it says here, of his people. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So this year, if we want for a resolution, I know it's one of my mind anyway, I'm not, going to, I'm not telling you what to do. I believe that the Lord's led me to this passage for my own uh, guidance of, uh, in my own life, if nothing else. That we seek for truth in the inward parts. We need to be truthful with ourselves. Where we really stand before God. What really our view of God is. No, a low view of God, that doesn't come from the state of the world. That comes from the state of the church. That comes from the state of the believers. So we need to assess ourselves. If we look around at the world and how the world is against God and, and the world seems to be prevailing. That's not the Lord's feeling. The Lord, is, as we say in, in, in Hosea there, the Lord withdraws because of the sin of, our, of his people. And at this time, we have to be truthful with ourselves and realize that we, we are failing. And we don't just, we're not just here, we don't want to just bum and blow or, or speak or teach or all these things. That's not what we're here for. We're here to live for God. Even we should never say, say one thing, our life should be the biggest uh, voice of all. It should be the biggest noise made, how we live for him. And that's in every instance. And I even was reminded of that this week. No matter what you think you're doing or think is immaterial, you're always being watched. You're always being listened to of the world. There's fellows there were, on Saturday, they were in uh, working at the school. They were doing a, a shutdown at the power of the NAE. And again, this is not for anything of, of myself at all. But I just took it for granted. I didn't even think of it. They were all talking about, oh, we're getting overtime and we'll maybe uh, work on here and we'll get the, we'll get the bonus here. We'll fact work on the, on the Sunday. And the boy says to me, he says, oh, I says, sure, you'll come in. He says, we'll pay you the bonus. And as I say, this is nothing, nothing of myself. And I says, boys, I says, for me, I says, it's the Lord's day. I says, it's different. I says, it's, it's given to the Lord. I says, you do what you want. I says, I can't, I can't come in. I'll not be there. And they sort of laughed it off and nothing, nothing worried nothing about it. And there's one boy that had been there previously in the digger. He's a Roman Catholic fellow too. And uh, he just came over and he says, ah, you know, 
says, I can't remember the last time he says, I've heard the, the Sunday called the Lord's Day. And that, that, that's, that was a simple thing. It's, that doesn't come in often any different to me, but that was enough to speak to him. And I'm not saying that for any glory myself at all. When we have the thoughts of Christ, when we have the knowledge of the truth within us, it should come out in our lives. It should be, at that we should be different. It should be different to the world. And that's what speaks. The difference of the believer, because of the joy that's within us, because of the love we have for God, that's what's motivate us. And there's no better thing or no better time to come here tonight at the time of prayer. The place where we're humbled, where to be humble. To realize we've failed. But thankfully, that although we have failed, we come to a God who answers prayer. We come to a God who can restore us. Come to a God who can uplift us and uphold us. And I'll, I'll leave that before you uh, tonight. Let me ask Stephen if he can come to the time of prayer.